Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. I'm Christine, your host. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We begin a new series for the Advent season called God With Us. Here's Christine Gershom sharing the Word of God today. Hi Church, it's such a joy to be back with you. Um, even as we enter this Advent, uh, we are thrilled about what God has been doing thus far in our life as a church and each of our individual lives. Um, as my husband and I, we've been meditating on what we're going to be teaching during the Advent series. Uh, this is what stood out to us, that God sent his son Jesus and he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And that's why we've titled this series as God with us. And and whatever the past nine months or 10 months have looked like, um, I am sure you can attest to the fact that God has been with us. Uh, at some point, you didn't feel like he was with you. Maybe at some points you really felt so low that you felt alone. Uh, irrespective of all the jargon we have learned in, in these nine months, social uh, distancing and uh, quarantining and all of this, I know for not a minute did God quarantine himself away from us. Not for a second did he socially distance from us. He has truly been God with us. So we titled the series God with us because the Apostle Matthew draws it from the book of Isaiah. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 1 verses 22 to 23. It says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is who Jesus is, God with us. He was not just a good man. He was not just a great teacher. He is and was and will always be God with us. And so wherever you are at, in your spiritual walk, in your relationship with Jesus, we want you to bring it back to this, that this Christmas and the new year ahead, he is God with us. Jesus is God with us. He's with us to save us. He's with us to lead us. He's with us to love us. And we're just going to have to dwell in that. We're going to just have to enjoy that, enjoy his presence, enjoy the fact that he is with us. Uh, we're going to be looking today at the book of Matthew. We're going to be looking at the um, apostle, at how he has written this book and what he had in mind when he crafted this, uh, the story of Jesus in the beginning of his book. Um, I love how he begins with the genealogy. Like um, any good um, traditional home, any Jewish home, would have um, a links to their ancestors. And so all J Jewish people would have a family tree. And so Matthew is writing to a predominantly Jewish audience and he begins by drawing out this family tree from Adam to Jesus. And so basically he's telling his readers, hey, this is authentic. There is truth behind who this man Jesus is. There is proof of it in our roots. That's what he was doing. And if you look at the, the entire genealogy, it's very interesting. There are so many women introduced into it. And this is something that was unheard of in the Jewish system because their family trees only had the men in it. But here the apostle brings in women and it's just such a beautiful salt and pepper like tapestry of, of these uh, people who are so gloriously imperfect, yet together they are part of the history that contributed to Jesus coming to earth. And it gives us hope. It gives us hope that each one of us, with our mess-ups, with our imperfections, we are contributing to the grand plan that God has for this world. It also, very interestingly, the entire first two chapters 
is so wrapped up in fulfillment, that word of fulfillment, that whatever was prophesied before has come through and has been fulfilled in Jesus. What's also very interesting is that Jesus was never God's backup plan. He was not plan B. He was the plan from the beginning. And that's very evident throughout this genealogy. It also shows us how the grace of God has literally carried some of these people. Uh, some of these characters are very unsavory. Guys like Jacob and Judah and um, others in the exile. One of the kings was utterly uh, one of the worst kings in the history of Israel. But these guys have been included there. And it just shows that the grace of God just covers up all our flaws and, and it, it still and still God can work through us. And so that genealogy is such an important focal point of the introduction of Jesus uh, to us. And then, of course, the story moves on to the traditional uh, story of Jesus, the Christmas story that all our children know right from the time they're little, where Jesus is born to Mary and Joseph. And it talks about how uh, Joseph is so tentative about marrying Mary because he's heard about what she is now carrying within her womb. And this, this is not the best news for a fiancé. And so he is thinking of quietly divorcing her when he is told in a dream what he must do. And so he's encouraged to marry Mary and look after their child. And together they have Jesus. And of course, just after that, we, we hear about the wise men who are astrologers from the Far East who come all the way to where Jesus is just to worship him. And they ask around. And amazingly enough, they are led by a star. Even the, even the heavens cooperated in bringing these men to worship Jesus. And right after that, we hear about how King Herod is so insecure and so jealous about this king of the Jews who has been born that he sets out to kill every young boy younger than two years old because he thinks in that wide net that he's casting, Jesus would be caught as well and finished off. But amazingly enough, Joseph is again led in a dream and he and his little family move to Egypt while the massacre happens. And then finally, he is led by a dream again to come back into Nazareth and settle down there with his family. So it's amazing if you look at this. Like I said, the whole of this Matthew's gospel talks about fulfillment, that all that God promised in the days of old through his prophets has come through in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment. And so I wanted us to look at today the fact that God is with us to lead us. You may ask us, why is it so important that God is with us? So that's why we want you to look today at the fact that God is with us to lead us. What is he leading us to? What is he leading us away from? God is with us to lead us towards our destiny, towards his purposes for our life. And God is with us to lead us away from evil, away from that which could destroy us. I want us to look at Acts chapter 17, verse 26. This is what it says. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. This is what the direction of God's leading looks like. He has appointed times for us. He has appointed our boundaries of our dwellings. What he is doing in us is planned. He has purposed this for us. And so his leading is always towards this purpose. Psalm 23 verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Every single person in that genealogy that we saw, their stories, um, some of them are straightforward stories where they obeyed God and they stepped into their purposes. But some of them took detours. 
some of them messed up some of them made their own way and 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 stumbled and fell but still god was so kind and gracious that he led them towards their purpose if you are feeling purposeless if 2020 has felt purposeless we will have news for you this one year does not derail god's plans for your life and mine he is still working he's directing us if we would let him he will lead us towards our purposes that is his promise for us the second thing that i want us to remember is that he always leads us away from evil uh, you might ask me but then why do bad things still happen i didn't say that there was going to be no evil that enters our life that's not true we will experience hardship we will experience struggle but god is on a mission to deliver us from evil to take us out of those situations to restore us back on that road that he set for us does evil touch us yes do we have struggles yes is there brokenness in our lives yes but god can turn the worst situations into something amazing 2 timothy verse 4:18 says this and the lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom to him be glory forever and ever amen proverbs 11 verse 8 says the righteous is delivered from trouble and it comes to the wicked instead colossians 1 verse 13 he says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love if you notice all of these verses have a very common denominator it says he delivers us from evil not always are we protected from sometimes we actually step into those dark spaces sometimes darkness hits us but the beauty of god is that he is with us in those dark places and he delivers us from it i'm reminded of shadrach meshach abednego in that insane heat a furnace heated seven times that the mighty men of the land were burnt up just standing outside the furnace they are thrown into the furnace and who is seen inside with them the son of the gods is what nebuchadnezzar himself says and it's it's said that that was jesus himself walking with them in that furnace that is god for you he walks with us even during the darkest trials and his whole agenda his agenda is very simple he delivers us from evil so the, the the thing about god's leading god's guidance he leads us towards our purpose he leads us away from evil but there is a condition to this this doesn't it's not as simple as it looks because if it was then all of us would be being led 100% of the time we'll be on the right track no mess ups no hiccups we'll be all it will be smooth sailing but there are conditions to this when you look at this whole story in the first two chapters of Matthew's gospel there are two people two sets of people who stood out to me when i was reading them reading through those chapters and i thought i would look at them a little closer the first person is joseph the father of jesus he only plays a role in chapter 1 and 2 his role is so vital because he actually hears from god and acts on it and apart from the fact that he was the uh, earthly father of jesus he didn't actually contribute genetically to jesus he was more of a caretaker and a role model um you know that in the latter years of uh, joseph's life he was uh, a carpenter of course and jesus apprenticed under him so there was heavy influence from joseph to jesus but he's not mentioned after this much the point of this is this that he was so willing to do the task given to him it seems unimportant it seems like it's not a great requirement of him but it starts from the beginning if you looked at even chapter 1 
he was such a just man it says matthew talks of joseph being a just man who did not want to humiliate mary and so thought of divorcing her quietly that was who joseph was and because of that god was able to speak to him in a dream and he doesn't have one dream he has multiple dreams each time instructing him of what he must do exactly i was looking at the word just and the hebrew word for it is very interesting it's diakaios and it basically means upright blameless righteous someone who conforms to the word of of the law and that was joseph for you he wanted to do what was right before god and because of that inherent inherent nature in him god was able to speak to him but it's not enough that we be upright we must be upright and willing there's it's a component joseph could have seen those dreams and woken up and done his own thing he could have been so set in his mind that this is what i know is right quietly divorce her move on with my life pretend i didn't know her at all but he was willing to wake up and do what he was asked to do how many of us can honestly say yes i'm upright i do what is right to the best of my ability but am i willing to obey god when he asks me to do something am i willing to be led by the holy spirit that's very vital in all order for emmanuel to lead us it's very important that we be willing um over the over the lockdown we got a golden retriever puppy and so some evenings my husband and i we put her on a leash and we take her for a walk and it's interesting she has a mind of her own when we step out of the door she will yank us both out and she will decide which side she's going to walk she'll decide which bushes she's going to sniff she has a plan and she makes that very clear in the way she yanks her neck and pulls us in that direction but the walk is usually extremely uncomfortable if she's pulling us in her own direction as much as we are restraining her it it just feels like we are running at a speed that we are not equipped to run at and she looks uncomfortable as well but there are sometimes now over the past one month she's gotten used to our rhythm and so she allows herself to be led so she goes at a steady trot and we follow her behind her um th- there's no real tension on the rope she's comfortable we are comfortable and that comes down to her being willing to be led so i'm not saying we need to be like dogs on a leash not at all i'm just asking whether we are willing to be led by god does he have to uh, correct us harshly in order to get our attention or will that simple whisper in our ear get our attention get us off our feet and help us head in the right direction many of us are turning a deaf ear to what god has been instructing us time and time again but it's important that we listen and we do what he said proverbs 11 verse 3 says this the integrity of the upright will guide them but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy that isn't that isn't it amazing that it says the integrity will, of the upright will guide them our uprightness is important because it that in itself will help us the second important thing is proverbs 29 verse 1 says this whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy i don't know about you but i would not want to be destroyed suddenly without remedy i don't want to be stiff-necked with god i don't want to be stubborn i don't want to be hard-headed with god when he whispers something to me i want to do it when he instructs me to take a certain route i rather take it then than have to learn it the hard way so i want to encourage us can we be like joseph our roles may be insignificant our roles may not seem that important um in the light of others roles but can i still do it do it with in, with integrity of heart do it with a willing heart ready to obey him
The Bible also talks about those who follow the Spirit, that they are called children of God. How Spirit-led are we today? We may live good lives, but if we are not led by the Spirit, it doesn't amount to anything. So that's the first thing. That's the first condition for God to lead us. The first condition is for us to be upright and willing. The second thing is that we would be serious in seeking. Um, the wise men came all the way from the Far East. These were not like our modern astrologers. These are students of the stars. They studied the stars and they found that this particular star which had appeared was indicative of the Messiah, the Savior of the world being born in Bethlehem. They knew that. And so they followed him, followed that star all the way from the East and come and land up in Jerusalem. Isn't that amazing? And when they come there, they're speaking to Herod. They come and speak to Herod, unfortunately. They talk to him and he gets all insecure, but he masks it well. And he says, hey, you know what? When you worship him, come and tell me so that I can worship him too. And the wise men agree. They go and they finally, the star leads them to the exact spot where Mary, Joseph and baby Jesus are. And they go ahead, they worship him. And the word used there for worship is proscunio, which means they just lay prostrate at his feet. And this is a baby they're worshipping. They saw something beyond what the world saw. And isn't it funny? They brought three gifts which are talked about. They brought gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And theologians say that these three gifts are indicative of Jesus and what his role was going to be in this world. Gold indicative of the fact that he is royalty. He was the king of all kings. Incense because he's a high priest. He's a, he's a priest like none other. And myrrh because of his death and his burial, that sacrificial death that he was going to suffer. And it got me thinking when I was thinking of those three gifts, that these three or four wise men who came to see Jesus had been so serious about seeking him. They must have gotten to some of the texts that were available to them and to find out who this Messiah is. What is he going to do? How serious are we about pursuing God? How serious are we about seeking God? In the past two months with a lot of rain in Chennai, the kids weren't able to play outside much. So the three of them play this game called Dabba in the house. So Dabba is, for those of you who are not from India, it's, it's an Indianized version of hide and seek. And so one person is the catcher. He has to count to about 60. And then he has to find the other two people who are hiding somewhere, somewhere in the house. So we noticed that our youngest, Calvin, when he plays this game, when he's the catcher, his siblings will be hiding in some room. This guy, I don't know whether he's lazy or he's scared to go into dark rooms. It could be a combination of both. He will not move from the catcher's booth. He will stand there. He will sing a song to himself. He'll, he'll look at his fingernails, but he will not search for his siblings. They're, they're seriously hiding in some part of the house, but this guy will stand where he's at. And if he sees any movement or any shadow shift, or he hears some noise, he will just guess as to which siblings in that room and he'll shout, Caleb Dabba, Silas Dabba. But he has no clue who he has seen because he's not stepped out of that zone of actually going to look for them. And as I was watching him do this this week, he this was the bone of contention this whole week. They have fought and fought about it because they said, Calvin just guesses. He doesn't know where we are. And he's got it wrong so many times that it's frustrated his siblings. It got us, got me thinking. My, when my husband and I were watching, we just realized that so often we're like that with God. We say, you know what, God, I'm here. You're there. I know you're there. And I know these things about you. I'm content with that. I don't need to come closer. 
I don't need to seek you more. I don't need to pursue you because you know what? I know everything there is to know about you. My parents taught it to me. It's been dinned into me through Sunday school all these years. I'm good. But hey, can I just ask you, if this year hasn't drawn us to pursue God more, I don't know what else we need to wake us up to the reality that we must pursue God. We must seek Him with all our heart. We cannot afford to be like Calvin, standing at that Dabba booth, just relaxing with our lives without even taking those steps forward towards seeking His face, towards seeking His will for our lives. I want us to read Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13, which says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Acts chapter 17 verse 28, it says, God created men so that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. What a consolation. This is not an, a hide and seek game where God hides out of jest. He says, you seek me, you will find me. It's a will statement. It is, it is confirmed that you will find him, but you need to seek him. You and I have to take those steps that are required to seek him with all our heart. This is the time for that. That's the condition. The second condition is that we seriously seek him. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 42 verses 1 to 2. I long to drink of you, O God, drinking deeply from the streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. My longings overwhelm me for more of you. My soul thirsts, pants and longs for the living God. I want to come and see the face of God. I wonder if that's the cry of our hearts today. Do we say, Lord, my soul longs for you? Like the deer pants for water, do I long for you? Is that how my pursuit of God looks today? If it doesn't, we don't need to worry about it, but we can start today. Do I begin every day saying, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you about my marriage, about my children, about my job, about my life in general. I want to hear from you, Lord. I want to know more about you. I want to know what's right about you. I want to understand you in all of your fullness. And the beauty of that prayer is that he will meet us. He will speak to us. He answers the cries of our heart. We most often run to him when we need something. But what if we just went to him out of the sheer delight of knowing him? What if we just did that? That is the condition today. From both these men's, these sets of people's lives, from Joseph, if we could be upright and willing. And from the wise men, if we could be serious about seeking God, I think we'll experience God with us, leading us every step of the way. If you're saying, I don't know Jesus, I don't know who Emmanuel is, Emmanuel is Jesus, God with us. God sent his son Jesus to come to this broken world, to be with us, to be amongst us, to know what we go through. And then in his death and resurrection, he once and for all made the way to heaven a smooth path. He said, hey, this is it. That's all. You just have to accept me. You have eternity with me. He made it so simple. And so today, all you and I have to do is pray the simple prayer of salvation and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you. Come into my heart. And Jesus comes and dwells with us. He's not left us alone. He's given us his Holy Spirit who dwells with us, who gives us wisdom for even the most mundane of things and for the most complicated of things. He's with us. We are not alone. And that's who the Jesus that we are talking about today. He loves you. He wants to help you. He wants to be with you. If you're saying, I want this Jesus, 
I want to know him more. Can you repeat this simple prayer after me? Dear Lord, I admit I am a sinner. I admit I am in need of help. Thank you for your son Jesus who was sent to die on my behalf. I thank you for the great sacrifice he made. I ask that he will be the Lord and Savior of my life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Help me. Walk with me. Use me for your kingdom's work on earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. For those of us who know the Lord, for those of us who are saying, this year has been hard. I know for every one of us, unanimously, not one of us exempt, this year has been hard. It's been unplanned. It's not been easy. But here I want to remind us that God is with us. Jesus is with us. Even if your faith has been shaky, even if you've been feeling, no, I, I didn't feel God with me this year. I want us together to read this prayer out. It's the Lord's Prayer. It's from the Passion Translation. And it just, it so touched me when I read it. And I want us to read it together and really believe every word of it. Because I believe that's going to transform our lives when we ask God to be with us and for His will his plan to be done in our lives. Remember that he leads us towards his purposes for us. He leads us away from evil. We just need to ask him to lead us. Can we pray this prayer together? Our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as it is fulfilled in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the King who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.